Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Poems a Penny Each. My name is Vincent S. Coster, and this week I'm going to be sharing with you the poem Seventh Game of the 1960 series by the poet Paul Blackburn. I hope you enjoy. So this week, to celebrate the return of baseball, I want to have a look at a baseball poem. And we're going to look at, as I said in the intro, um, a poem called The Seventh Game of the 1960 Series. And it's by the poet Paul Blackburn. Um, Before we look at the poem, in fact before we we listen to the poem, and this week I just want to give a big shout out to Alphil Reese and the rest of the people, the rest of the hard workers, at uh, Kelly Ryder's house in the University of Pennsylvania who have kindly allowed me to use the Penn Sound Archive to play the recording of Paul Blackburn reading his poem Uh, which is a wonderful thing because whilst I can certainly read poems and you know there's there's no problem with that it, it gives you a sense of what the poet has in mind when you listen did to them reading it better and so who better to read one of Paul Blackburn's poems than Paul Blackburn so thanks so much to everyone at um, the Penn Sound Archive at the University of Pennsylvania the Kelly Riders House um, the awesome Modpo crew there and Al Philry specifically he is a total mensch a wonderful man but and enough sycophancy there um, I think I shall go back to, to just telling you a little bit about Paul Blackburn. And here's why Paul Blackburn, I think, is so important. And sadly, one of the most underread, underappreciated writers going. Just it, it's, it's really quite sad, really, that he doesn't have as much people reading his work as he deserves. Um, just to give you just a little brief background about about who he was he was a poet his mum actually was a poet Frances Frost a poet and a novelist she wrote children's books that was his mum she encouraged him to write poetry when he was a teenager living in Greenwich Village and what a poet he was I mean just think about this in his short life he died in 1971 at the age of 44 and he in those short years those 44 short years he had produced now listen to this he produced or published 13 books of original poetry he produced five major works of translation in his lifetime and since he's died they have published 12 other books that's a phenomenal amount of work and nobody has actually read his work he i mean some of the stuff that he has published he's published um he did a lot of work particularly with spanish and he translated uh, federico garcia Lorca. he uh translated pablo picasso and they're just two um of particular poets he also worked selflessly on behalf of other poets he was what you would call a poet's poet 
he um, helped get organized readings for members of the Beat School of Poetry, the New York School of Poetry, Deep the Deep Image Poets. He worked with them and he worked with the Black Mountain Poets. He didn't really like the idea of being tied to a particular school of poetry. He believed that all forms of poetry from all eras had something that you could learn from. And and he so he believed in, in reaching out and, and just absorbing everything. He was a lot like Ezra Pound in that way. And that he w- wanted to embrace all forms of poetry. He wanted to encourage any poet he could. And would work selflessly to help those poets get an audience. And that's just what he did as well. So unlike Ezra Pound, he wasn't a filthy um, anti-Semite who kind of faded away in, in, into nothingness in, in Italy after living a long life. He died very short and he is not deserving the anonymity that goes with him at the moment. So that's Paul Blackburn. That's that's the man we want to celebrate. Um, and now I'm going to let you hear his poem. series which uh, in which um, uh, Pittsburgh uh, took um, Pittsburgh took the New York Yankees that was the end of the Yankees they're now an underdog team I just saw the Mets beat them you know in the 12th inning no the Mets got three runs in the 12th inning unbelievable can't believe those Mets anymore. Anyway, this is uh, this was uh, the seventh game in the 1960 series when the Yankees were still on top. It's for Joel Oppenheimer. Nice day, sweet October afternoon. Men walk the Sunshot Avenue, second, third, eyes intent elsewhere, ears communing with transistors and shirt pockets. Bars are full, quiet, discussion during commercials only. Pirates lead New York 4-1, to top of the six, two Yankees on base, one man out. What a nice day for all this. Handsome women, even dreamy jailbait, walk nearly neglected. Men's eyes are blank, their thoughts are all in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Last half of the ninth, the score tied 9-0. Mazarowski leads off for the Pirates. The second pitch, he simply, sweetly, crack, belts it clean over the left field wall. Blocks of afternoon, acres of afternoon, Pennsylvania turnpikes of afternoon. One diamond stretches out in the sun. The third base line and what men come down it. The final score, 10-9. Yankees come home. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so that was Paul Blackburn reading his poem. Um, this is this is a fascinating poem, I think, on so many levels. Um, it really shows us the importance of language, um, niche language, um, because obviously it, it uses baseball language that only baseball fans would understand. Um, there's a, the term Yonkies. He uses the Ameri or the um, Spanish term Yonkies for Yankee at the end. And that has meaning, which we'll look at in a second. And then there's also problematic terms, uh, such as um, the, using the term dreamy jailbait, um, which I'll discuss in a moment as well. But but now I'm going to explain why it is I like this poem. Obviously, uh, as a Yankees poem, or as a Yankees fan, I should say, um, the, the poem's kind of hard to take because it, it is a moment where the Yankees... A dynasty that stretched back in since the 1940s came to an end and um, they did have a, a, you know a, for the success in 1961 particularly they had a Roger Maris um, scored in 61 home runs in the season um, and, and that was an exciting home run chase between him and, and Mickey Mantle they won the World Series in 1961 but it was the beginning of the end. The Yankees, as he did say, ended up becoming an underdog team. As the 60s went on and, and the 70s went on, they played uh, very poor baseball indeed. So they weren't quite the exciting team as they were. Um, for me, I, I guess the, the only thing comparable to this, because while I have the head knowledge of how bad that series loss was, and there is the looking back at the history as how the Yankees did become uh, an underdog team uh, like i wasn't alive in fact my dad was only a kid when this uh, all happened so I'm, I'm quite removed from it in in that terms i guess for me if i want to understand how a lot of all the yankees fans feel about this series i would have to look at the 2001 world series because again it was the beginning of the end of that team that I had come to know and love from the 90s. A lot of the, the players that, that were had made up that team, the, the not the core four who went on to continue playing until like the mid um, mid teens of this of this millennium. But certainly from you know after the 2001 series we lost a lot of the other players that were definitely a part of that team so like for me the 1960 world series would be comparable to the 2001 series it was a series that we should have won uh, but we didn't uh, it's that that kind of essence but stepping away from the fact that this is a poem about the yankees losing the world series and the yankees then fading into into mediocrity thereafter this poem is fascinating um, because unlike all the other baseball poems that there are, and there is a total subgenre of baseball poems, they and they're not as good. This is, I think, is one of the best of them, and and because it takes us away from the action, uh, the people that we're reading about are not necessarily the performers. We only get little bits of what's happening in the game here. The majority of this poem. Is actually about the people listening to it. Um, we're, we're not anywhere near Pittsburgh. We're not anywhere near the stadium. Instead we're in New York. 
on a nice day, a sweet October afternoon. We're walking, like it says, men walk the sunshot avenues, second, third, eyes intent elsewhere. So here we are, the poem takes us straight away. We're walking down these sunshot avenues in New York. All around us there are men, but they're, they're not paying attention. Their eyes are intent elsewhere. Ears communing with transistors and shirt pockets. Bars are full, quiet, discussion during commercials only. And that's the scene. So we're walking around and you can see it. If you close your eyes, you can see it. People walking around, the radios up to their ears. You know, people in pubs are watching on the on the, the the TV or they're listening on the radio. No one's talking apart from during the commercials. Everyone's just intent on what's happening. They're caught up in this moment. Bored there too. As we're walking along the avenue, suddenly we hear from a passing car maybe or from a guy walking by us with a radio. Pirates lead New York 4-1, to one, top of the 6th. Two Yankees on base, one man out. Then the play fades away. And again, we're back in this nice day. But all of a sudden, we realise something. Uh, the men who normally would be watching the women and harassing women as you walk by aren't paying the women attention. It says, what a nice day for all this. Handsome women, even dreamy jail bay, walk nearly neglected. So there's that idea that these women are able to walk by uh, without being hassled nearly neglected almost neglected because the poet has noticed them so he sees them they're not altogether not noticed he's noticed them but he's noticed the fact that the men aren't noticing them now of course there is this kind of um troublesome term of describing young women possibly women who aren't even actually you know who are still too young if you know what i mean um minors think that would be the better term legally anyway these young women who aren't of an of the the legal age are being referred to as dreamy jailbait and and like the fact that they're even set aside so you've got handsome women even dreamy jailbait walk nearly neglected so that's a kind of a troublesome term i think i I, you know certainly a lot of people don't feel comfortable with that anymore it's it's an aspect of toxic masculinity but this gives us for me this is like a, a view of how life was and hopefully isn't anymore hopefully young women who walk around because like particularly you do notice a lot of the time that it is that mostly young women will dress up to to look their best and sadly like a lot of the times they're they're dressing their best because they want to look their best they want to dress in what they think is their best outfits um because they want to make a statement about who they are or they want to to show their they want to show that they're um their individual selves as it were they want to show off their own style they want to show that they are unashamedly themselves and unfortunately the problem is is that a lot of the times when a young woman walks by wearing clothes that are a little revealing or whatever um, older men will leer at them and 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 young men will leer at them and and that's just a, a sad fact that that instead of 
a woman's dress being an expression of her identity, it becomes diminished in male eyes to be merely just there, just trying to attract my attention kind of mentality. Um, but I hope, hopefully, you know, this kind of toxic masculinity is being done away with. And terms like dreamy jailbait will become confined to mid 20th century literature and no longer uttered but sadly he um does use this term in this poem and i think it it detracts in one way because it it's just not it's just a horrible term really i think the idea that these women are just trying to lure men into um being with them for the point of view of just trying to get them in prison i think it's it's a horrible term and hopefully it's one that will be done away with like i said but again like again it it just shows that the idea of words having power and in this poem there's there's a lot of that there's a lot of using words to convey ideas and i mean in the end that's what words are a conveyance of ideas so we get this idea that women are able to walk the streets without being hassled or even noticed. Even the attractive young women don't get hassled. They're nearly neglected insofar as they manage to get around. But the poet, he sees it. He sees the fact that the men aren't looking at them. Because as he goes on to say, men's eyes are blank. The thoughts are all in Pittsburgh. All of a sudden we're taken back to the action. As we, he describes that horrible moment when um, we're in the last of the half, or the last half of the ninth, so we're at the bottom of the ninth. The next score will win it. The game is level, it's 9 all, And Mazaratsky leads off for the Pirates, which means he's the first batter for the Pirates. He steps to the plate, first pitch, uh, nothing happens, he does nothing with it. Second pitch, he simply, sweetly crack belts it clean over the left field wall and that's it the game is over the um yankees lose the pittsburgh pirates win a world series and we're back all of a sudden we're no longer in pittsburgh we're back in new york and we've got blocks of afternoon acres of afternoon pennsylvania turnpikes of afternoon one diamond stretches out in the sun the third baseline and what men come down it so there we have this idea of the third baseline is that line that takes you home. And what men come down and what men come home. It's a really strong image of what men come home. Like what way do they come home, these, these men, as they, they come down the third baseline, heading towards their, their houses, they're drunk, are they in a bad mood? Yeah, and you can imagine it all, all the men heading back home the final score was 10 to 9 which again was how the series played out um pittsburgh won uh, four games but each of their games they won by only one run whereas in the three games that the yankees beat the pittsburgh pirates they demolished them they were it was just like so one-sided each lot each time the yankees won but they didn't win enough games and that's the beauty of baseball and then we come to this last line, which I think is a powerful statement because he then says, Yonkies, come home. He's using the Spanish term. Again, remember, he did a lot of writing, a lot of work for Spanish translations, 
or translating books oh, in in to English. And so using this term Yankees come home, if we remember we're at that point in nineteen sixty, the Bay of Pigs, um Fidel Castro has taken over has taken over um Cuba. The 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 Yanks are like fleeing from Cuba at that point, you know, all the the, the, the people are doing a run from from Cuba, those who went there for the holidays to enjoy themselves, to to live it up in the Yankee or the mafia ran casinos and hotels and what have you. Um but for 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 this poem it's talking about the beginning of the end of the Yankee dynasty from and, and Yankee power, but it's also talking about the beginning of the end as he saw it of American power. We we then had the sixties which saw America get a bloody nose with the Bay of Pigs, um their their president is shot, they have um humiliation in, in, in uh, Vietnam, there's civil unrest, it looks like American power is crumbling. Mm -hmm. Of course this isn't true because what what we have here is the fact that although American power seemed to be crumbling, America came back. Um, just as the Yankees come back, and whilst at that moment things look bleak for uh, Americans, especially American colonialism, it, it didn't end up that way. They they managed to bounce back. But again, this is what I like about this poem. Uh, it just really conveys the idea. Just a few words. There's like words that are problematic. Certainly, um, there's language in there that unless you are a baseball fan you wouldn't understand but i just love it because we're we're taken i'm taken back to that moment in new york that day in new york when when the world series or the last game of the world series was happening and everybody was caught up with the excitement of will new york win and having to deal with the fact that new york loses and 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 that's what i love about it it's just as a baseball poem it works because it takes us to the heart of the action, but not by watching the players, but by being in with the fans and in with the other people as they're listening. And we're taken into New York in a moment. And I love that about poetry. I love that when a poet can do that, that he can take us um, not only into the mind, like last week's poem, took us into the mind or into a conversation that uh, black people have to have with each other about uh, police brutality. But this one took us not into a mind, but into a place, into a place in time. And we were able to savour that moment and feel the, the October sunlight, the, the World Series weather, as they called it, the warm, balmy days of October, listening to the commentary on the radio and being there with other guys in the bar and just got a sense of what New York was like at that moment and what Americans felt at that moment too as world events were playing out and they were uncertain just for a moment of what was going to happen so that's why i, I like that poem you get so much out of it so that was um the poem seven game of the 1960 series by paul blackburn i want to thank you for joining me this week on poems a penny each and hopefully you will come back next week and listen to another poem that I love 
and want to share with you all. Um, make sure to check out the links in the show notes for more information about Paul Blackburn and his work and to, to read and, and hear this poem being read again by him. And also check out the notes for the Kelly Writers House for more information on their course Modern Poetry um, which runs every September. I highly recommend that. I want to thank you again like I said and on, hopefully you will join me next week. Until then take care and stay safe. Slán.